What's up, people? It is Thursday, the 5th of July, 2018. Time is 8.02 in the evening. We're in West London. We're gonna meet the legend of music and comedy, Mr. Bill Bailey. He's gonna be on episode two of We Are Listening. Let's do it. Hello! Hey! Yeah. How are you, man? How are you? Good to see you, man. You okay? Yeah, really good. You look amazing. Oh, and you? Thank you. It's been a long time, hasn't it? It's been a little while. Yeah. Okay. It's all because, like, I had this idea, and gentlemen welcome to we are listening episode two my name's sk shlomo and i'm joined by the incredible mr bill bailey hello mr bill bailey how are you hello i'm very well i'm so happy you could be here yeah really nice to see you yeah this is cool um hello everybody who's watching um this is episode two of this which is a new idea right this idea happened um about a week and a half ago um and let me just explain to the people who who didn't see last week so we can kind of explain what this is all about so my name is sk shlomo i'm a musician i'm an artist um just like bill and um i kind of got known originally for being a beatboxer and a live looper and an entertainer um and i've always had this secret desire to do something um a little bit more authentic right so i wanted to become a recording artist just like all my heroes and um i decided to to stop whinging about it and just do it mm. and i went and I, I kind of canceled all my shows and just spent a year writing and that would have been my dream come true but it turned out to be a bit of a nightmare like um my brain hated me right i just couldn't cope and i went into one of the darkest places i've ever been since i was a child and um i basically lost my shit i wasn't okay and i didn't know what to do um and it got bad i kind of felt like i couldn't go on anymore so i, I feel like i was lucky because i went and got some help um and i had a lot of support around me and i kind of came through it and the music was what really pulled me through and i'm making this album and realized that this album is all about my journey with depression and then I started talking about it. I decided I wanted to do a pledge campaign and get the world to help me finish this record. And the minute I started talking about it on my pledge campaign, I made a video telling my story. I just got so many responses from other human beings who also have felt that darkness and felt like they couldn't cope or had family members who couldn't or had lost people to it. And it, and it was just this overwhelming outpouring of love and sharing and caring and talking, which just felt like suddenly there was this permission to do so. Oh, it felt brilliant and I thought you know what we need like a home for this we need like mm. a space that this is you know like a safe space to do it and I thought you know what I, I know some really cool people who might be up for kind of just talking openly about their journeys and their stories and their experiences and sharing it with the world um, using the joy of the internet right because mm. we can just do this like this was yeah. such a recent idea this is it and here we are broadcasting on our own terms it just feels really good so that's how we are listening was born had episode one last week with jason mraz um we set it up with like a day to do it we set it up and ninety-five thousand people watched it it was just an incredible wow. feeling felt <clears> great um and here we are one week later and we're joined by this human being over here who has just got talent for days and really has got stories to tell so can we please give a big round of applause for mr phil bailey 
Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. <laughs> How are you, yeah, Mr. Bill Bailey? I'm really well. Um, uh, good to see you. Uh, yeah, I've just um, come off a, a big tour. Yes. So I'm uh, sort of slightly just a bit, you know, phased a bit. But okay, I've been decompressing a little bit. And uh, um, it was good fun. It was really good. It was one of the biggest tours I've done in a long time. No, in terms of like most number of dates, most number of people, um, quite intense, and uh, it, it was fun. And it was, it got, you know, you have ups and downs on the tour. You have times when, you know, th things aren't going right. But what was good about it was at the end of the tour, I felt like I'd sort of, you know, gone down and then come up again. So I always think that's a good sign when at the end of the tour, you're not kind of thinking oh I'm done with that mm. like oh I've got some new ideas wow this is really working well I'm you know on to the next thing mm -hmm. you know so, so it's good it was a positive way to end it it was a creative process yeah definitely definitely so this is cool this is one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about today and, and, and we should have time to kind of go into a bit of detail with it and it's yeah. like creativity um, we all agree is a beautiful thing it's therapeutic it's mm. a chance to communicate tell, tell a story but Creativity on demand can be a slightly more prickly proposition. Yes, like, definitely. You know, I've got, in your scenario, I've got a tour, I've got arenas, I've got people who want to see this, mm. I've got to perform. Like, That's right. How does, that, how does that feel inside? Well, look, you know, there's it, this, this pressure, you feel it it's like a physical thing you know actually sort of weight on you and uh, almost to the point that you know, it, it's like some kind of invisible weight that's on you you know like and I, I, I sometimes look at myself when I'm writing a show I'm getting ready for a show I'm sort of shuffling about you know like I'm you know what I mean like you've got something on your back and it does have an effect on you a physical effect on you and, and it only gets it, it never gets any easier, I think. And I mean, I've just, I feel over the years, like I've been through a sort of, there's different phases of, of my career where I it was in a, the early phases when, you know, you have nothing to prove. No one knows who you are. You, you are actually going out every night. People have no expectation. They just see this guy, weird looking guy with beard, hair, what is this, jazz? You know, what is this guy gonna do? Oh, he does it, oh, you know. And, you, and by the end of the night, hopefully, you know, not every night, it was, but, but hopefully the end of the night, people go, wow, that was great. And they think, oh, we'll come back and see you again. And that's, and that's great because there's a certain freedom to that phase when you can just experiment, try all kinds of things. And then there's a sort of, the next phase, which I found, where is you are, you, people know who you are. You've got to reach a certain level of, of recognition and whatever you want to call fame or whatever. And then you feel that expectation. You think, oh yeah, I have to constantly write. I have to move this on a bit. I have to match what I was doing before. In fact, I have to mm. not only match it, try and better it. Exceed yourself. You know, and then that's that's a real sort of oh okay oh you realize oh, this is yeah this is a bit harder than phase one mm -hmm. when it was just free form we could do what you want but also you had your whole life's worth of stuff to choose from do you yeah. know what i mean that's right like, if you're anything like me you've been making music since you were a kid 
Yeah. And then when you did your first stuff, you could just oh. choose the best stuff you had from everything yeah. piled in. Yeah. <laughs> the kitchen sink. My first show, I had like all these songs and ideas and stuff that I've been mulling in my brain for years. Plus, I had like, I'm, I had this X Wing fighter keyboard stand made right Sick. so it just looked <laughs> fantastic and well i thought it looked fantastic <laughs> yeah. and the keyboard i had it fitted into this x-wing fight and there was like it kind of the wings went up and there were lights in it and i just thought this is the coolest thing except there was a major design flaw which i had never i could never predicted or foreseen and that was that i heard someone walking out of the show because the first gig I did major show was in the Edinburgh the festival mm. and this little venue and somebody was walking out and they said was he was he actually playing the keyboard <laughs> you know and I was like what no <laughs> and of course because the thing had completely masked the keyboard everyone just thought it was a tape like, oh no I didn't see that one coming anyway but it was everything went in there the whole mm -hmm. kitchen sink and it was and then like you say the next show Oh, it has to be good, it has to be, and then on and on and on it goes. Mm -hmm. um, until now, I'm in that sort of another phase I feel now where a bit like what you've just been talking about is that you feel not a pressure, there's no, yes, I do feel the pressure. I have to put on a show, people are going to pay to come and see it, but I actually want to delve into something a bit more, mm. a bit more meaningful, perhaps, maybe mm -hmm. something that's personal. Because mm. then you, we get more out of it. Yeah. I think that's it, man. Like, I I feel that kind of striving for authenticity, right? And I feel yeah. like you you want to feel like you've got a kind of depth and a truth to the story you're telling. And it can be really easy to latch onto something which has been successful, right? Yeah. So from my perspective you know I got known for one particular thing well I got known for lots of things but there was a definite like sensation from my end of like okay this is what people like this is what people want mm. this is how I'm going to get paid right so I need to keep on doing that trick and there comes a point where like you've got to make sure you're also feeding your own soul right so yeah. you're kind of creating something from your heart otherwise it becomes inauthentic do you know what I mean? Like, is yeah. that is that the kind of thing you mean? Yeah, I think I also I, yes, I think that you, other kinds of. I mean, I do stand up, and I, but there's I've other things I love to do. I like to make documentaries. I like to. I'm, I'm a big advocate for wildlife and conservation, and those mm -hmm. things are really close to my heart. So mm -hmm. I feel like if I can do something that that kind of addresses all of those mm -hmm. those facets to to what I to my life then I feel that I'm I'm doing myself a favor and I'm not just letting this 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 kind of comedy career this thing mm. it sort of it can unbalance you a little bit because it takes over you know it's all consuming mm. I mean if I was to just to constantly do gigs that'd be I'd do a gig every you know, there'd be a gig somewhere mm. I could do it all the time and I have to sort of make a conscious effort to say no that's enough you know I have to focus on something else mm. uh, just for a while and then that feeds the creative process mm. it's an it's an odd thing though it's you never know where it's going to come from you know that's the that's I guess one of the hard things about it but also one of the great things about it you know like there's a great quote I think JK Rowling had this great quote when she said that the worst thing and the best thing about writing is the blank page mm. you know because you look at it and stare at it you think 
uh, perhaps I'll never write anything. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. it. It's just blank staring at you. Yeah. Or the uh, but the other side of that is endless possibility. Right. That's a beautiful thought, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Guys, if you just join us, you're watching episode two of We Are Listening, which is a weekly live stream real talk about creativity and mental health. Uh, and I'm SK Shlomo, and I'm joined here by Mr. Bill Bailey. Uh, if you were trying to watch it on Twitter, you're in luck because it worked. The Facebook stream didn't work at the last minute, and my right, it still hasn't gone up, right? So hopefully, we did put a post up on Facebook saying come over to Twitter, so hopefully you're seeing this on Twitter too um, but um, I think it's really interesting like that the world can kind of talk about these things so we want to hear from you we want to hear about your stories mm. we want to hear any questions you have so if you're on Twitter you can tweet us at Bill Bailey at SK Shlomo and we're hopefully going to be able to um, answer a few of your questions so if you've got anything you'd like to hear us talk about please do tweet them in and use the hashtag we are listening um, and we're going to be talking for a little while. Hopefully you've got a chance to go in a little bit of depth about what it's like to be a creative person, what it's like to be a human being in this world and, and how we can cope with that. Like, um, we've known each other for a little while. Yeah. Um, people have been asking me a lot this week, how do you know Bill Bailey? And I think the answer is correct that he asked me for beatboxing lessons. Yes. About 10, 11 years oh, ago. Oh, it must be. <laughs> because my boy then was little he was a little blonde haired tousle haired kid and I brought him to see you perform at the South Bank that's right that's and he right. was totally blown away by it and really wanted to get into beatboxing as a result and uh, and I was you know, also incredibly impressed because not only because of your technical ability but also that the ambition the creative way that you use it because it's sort of it was unlike anything I'd ever seen and Thanks, still man. is. Thank yeah. you. And I must admit, I've, I've listened to one of the tracks off this album, and I was—I mm. thought this is a completely new phase. I think for you, creatively, it, isn't it? it is, man. And it's like what's really interesting about it is, I've, I tried to make it for me. Um, like, so it's interesting that you used the word Im- impressive when you talked about what I'd done before, and and that's that's a term that comes up a lot about my work my beatboxing my looping my work with beatboxing groups and stuff mm. like it's 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 very impressive it's it's showmanship yeah and it's, it's i mean it's dazzling it's dazzling like, amazing and like, i love that feeling i love yeah. that power you have when you can get up on stage and you can just make people's jaw drop yeah but i also feel like that constant pressure that i was putting on myself to keep those jaws dropped yeah had started to get unhealthy and i'd kind of felt like i was just chasing other people's validation right mm. and um, I think that's why this music I'm making sounds so different because I was thinking well I don't listen to people trying to be impressive when I listen to music mm. I listen to all kinds of mind-blowingly inspiring music and I want to be like these people mm. like I was going to ask you about this like you are of course an amazing comedian but you're also such a gifted musician and songwriter do you ever feel like you have to live up to a certain label? Like once you've established yourself as, oh, Bill is the guy who makes comedy songs. Like- yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, there certainly is that. There is, you, you know, because I mean, these are the things that initially people have uh, you know, been drawn to my shows because of this. Mm. And so there is that, that people do expect to see that in the shows. Mm. And I have to kind of acknowledge that and think, well, this is part of, 
you know my my comedy and so there is always going to be a place for it mm. and so the hard bit of it is is trying to you know balance that with anything that's a bit more personal a bit more involved a bit more complicated and mm. try to sort of meld that into a, a something that's entertaining because mm. I, I always think that comedy is very much about it should be first and foremost entertaining it should people should come along and have a laugh and be taken out of themselves for a couple of hours right and then if you can you know sneak in a little bit of you know something else under the radar then mm. great so much the better um, mm. and that's the real that's the key that's the kind of the aim that's the sort of you know the spice <laughs> that's the goal is to yeah. like tell something that's got a depth and truth Something like that, yeah. But it's still really funny. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> funny, and I think there's some. But I think there's a. There was a. There's an old sort of phrase that a lot of comics and we also and people still use it. Like, and we do. It's almost partly as a joke, but it's partly true. And that is, all comedy is truth. Mm. And that, and it's always. It was always, you know, used as a kind of a joke sometimes. Like you'd sort of say, "Oh well, this happened to me." Yeah, all comedy is truth. But mm -hmm. there is a kind of you know there's a sort of truth to it there is an element of truth to it because you know the, the greatest stories that are always true the, the the weirdest stuff that happens you know is is the truth stuff you know far stranger things happen in mm. life that you can than you can possibly imagine sometimes mm. and uh, in my last show the one before this I, I started to talk about family and things like that and it was a real revelation you know it was like oh okay this is an element this is an area of my life I haven't really I haven't mined before I haven't really talked mm. about this before and mm. it was sort of a little bit I was a bit anxious about it because I'm not quite sure whether this is because I'm not used to it a lot mm. of comics a lot of artists are very open about their lives and talk about themselves and their personal mm. relationships in fact sometimes that is the thing that's the USP mm. it's about mm. relationships and about you know understanding them and that's what is the that's where they get a lot of their comedy from and I, I hadn't before that so mm. that was a real that's a that's a new area for me that I'm trying to explore mm. that's cool man I like yeah. you know what I think being an entertainer or a comedian or like because I've done a lot of work up at the fringe as well and kind of being in that world yeah it's so fun and it's so electric um, but there is a certain risk because with comedy you're kind of asking your crowd to judge you on every line that you say because sure. you have that direct feedback which is did they laugh yeah and like, I've heard like um, what's that there's a brilliant podcast is it the Comedians Comedian podcast something like that I don't know yeah. if you've heard that where comedians talk about the process and it's like you kind of have to stagger how often you have a laugh right and some people like yeah. going for one every minute or like if you don't get one every minute if you're kind of hitting that's right lower than the that, GPM gag yeah. the minute we've got to get it up that's it keep the, keep the GPM cracking on and yeah that's true no there is definitely that and and I feel it you know constantly um, and it's it's a sometimes you know there's a sort of tyranny of it you know mm. the tyranny of of the finding the funny in all things and there's a, a great comedian a friend of mine Rich Hall American comic yeah. and he said that you know when you're writing comedy, often you find yourself processing all information in a comedic way. You know, so like yeah, you read yeah. the news and you think, yeah, what's the funny angle here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 and then, you know, somebody says something to you, yeah, yeah, but what about, and it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, you kind of, ah, stop. Otherwise, mm. it just takes over. Yeah, and that's not mm. healthy, right? No, 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 it isn't. That's like, <laughs> I kind of got to the point of that with like social media where I was like starting to like view my whole life 
through composing it into a little however many characters tweet it was it's like and then you're not actually in the room with your your family and your loved ones or whatever it is you're not experiencing your life you're no. like living somewhere else in your head living in the future of when you're going to get to post this and get some that validation from your audience like yeah. that's when it starts becoming unhealthy yeah yeah I don't know I feel like um it's really interesting to talk to someone like you who's who's been a professional for, performer for such a long time and 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 to ask you like those nights you mentioned so you started your tour you're on a high luckily yeah. you ended your tour on a high as well yes but those inevitable nights where you just it's just not right it's not necessarily your fault it's not necessarily the crowd's fault no it's 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 not happening it's part of nature yeah that's right those nights can be hard yes you get to your hotel or whatever it is you're doing yeah and uh you know I'm just pacing around <laughs> you know eating too much cheese <laughs> yeah. you know looking at the mini bar you know there's mm. like a big packet of crisps with you looking at you yeah and then yeah, yeah. I mean I ended up in a mini bar like where a hotel with a mini bar that had like a, an automated mini bar oh shit and you take things out and it immediately charges it to the room oh yeah yeah and then yeah, so then I'm just I'm trying to think to myself I'll just get the Pringles out without paying for them so if I find something that I have equivalent weight to the Pringles and like quickly replace the Pringles and I thought I've got a bowl of socks some socks I thought if I put the socks in then I won't have to pay and I just think and then I caught aside myself doing this I'm thinking what the hell's happened you know mm-hmm. and this is a kind of this is what things like that happen I end up having mad thoughts sometimes you know very dark thoughts you know the kind of negative thoughts like why am I doing this what is this why do I put myself through this you know it's like really this is this is what I do this is a job this is Mm. crazy why would I do this you know and then Mm. it's quite important I think that I you know I don't know about you but you you have good friends people you talk to Uh, comics are very good like that I've one or two Mm. comedian friends because they understand what you're going through mm-hmm. you know if you found even if a, a very you know like your your closest your nearest and dearest mm-hmm. even like a wife a girlfriend a boyfriend a partner you mm-hmm. know if they're not if they're not doing what you're doing mm-hmm. sometimes it's difficult to explain mm-hmm. the kind of these garbled thoughts that you have in your head you have to sometimes talk to someone that does that and then they say well yeah look look hey I've thought that. Yeah, yeah. I know where you're coming from. I know where you're at. I've been there. And mm-hmm. it's reassuring. And then you're going to just, you know. Mm-hmm. But in some nights, it's been all night where you think, oh, I don't know, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. And then literally the next night, you're out in front of a crowd and the crowd are up for it and everything's happening. And, yeah. you know, you're back, back in, in the, the saddle. But it's, 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 never, it's never a known subject it's never that's cre- the cold creative process artistic process whatever it is mm. it's not absolute it's not you know it's not a science mm. you never know there's your own feelings the feelings of the crowd the collective there's something you're not feeling it down so, I mean literally I've had thoughts on stage where I'm remembering uh, a conversation I had with someone at school you know <laughs> like some kind of but you know I mean like something yeah, really right. random but like and I just think, why was he like that with me? You know, we're talking like 30 years ago, 40 years ago for me. Oh, gosh. And like, why was he like that? <laughs> and this is, ha- this is happening while I'm in the middle of a routine right. in front of 2,000 people. <laughs> thinking, what other job 
is, is this uh, if, you know is this, is this happening I don't know that's why when I relax I tend to do things that don't require thought you have to unthink I think sometimes mm. I like to walk I like to be outdoors I like to go mm. paddle boarding something mm. that requires a physical act that does not require too much thought it requires mm. a sort of repetitive you know sort of action that's not engaging the brain too much because I think mm. that that's a, a healthy that's a part of the process I think that sounds like a good coping me- mechanism because it feels like sometimes your yeah. brain is just desperate to think all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it just wants to think, overthink, and then yeah. work itself into a mess. And, and, and that's what I've been learning. Like So I had, at the beginning of this uh, stream, I spoke about what happened to me when I, I cancelled all my work to write an album and I kind of went into a very dark place and I had to stop work for about, um, seven weeks I was out of action I just couldn't wow. I just had to stop and I just had to completely regroup and just mm. let my brain calm down <laughs> it had just gone it had gone mad mm. I had gone a little bit a little bit mad and and I didn't I'd never really done like meditation mm. done little bits of it got bored and wanted to just do something more you know with a quick validation to it uh, yoga yeah uh, CBT like learning about like documenting my thoughts and, and, and noting them and letting them calm like sometimes it's just like not fighting them just like if you're having these crazy thoughts yeah. and it's like too scary to look at because you're like I must be going mad but if you just sometimes listen to them right you're like okay yeah. okay voice in my head tell me what, what are you really thinking here and you kind of let it out then for me it just sometimes will then finish get to the end of what it's trying to say and I'm like okay thank you evil voice yeah can we get on with something else now <laughs> that's right yeah because you know I guess that you're thinking about this all the time so you think you end up it's like becomes like a you know a chain reaction I'm thinking mm-hmm. about these thoughts these are bad thoughts oh mm-hmm. I'm thinking about them oh mm-hmm. these are other bad thoughts you know? yeah. but stop the thoughts about the other thoughts and it just mm-hmm. it's it's becomes it's compulsive and if you're yeah. if you're used to constantly analyzing about I mean I, I, I guess you know you sound a bit like I mean I have the same process you overanalyze sometimes mm. I do that all the time mm. overthink things mm. and constantly roll things around in your head it's hard it's hard to sort of turn that off but getting sometimes. out in nature yeah it's just a chance to like give your brain a break yeah definitely I think I really that that's a big thing for me when we're mm. on tour you know we always try and get out and mm. always make it a, a real it's a routine it's a it's a ritual you have to get mm. outside do something I don't know whatever it is physical walk go for a walk I tell you know we go birding you know like I've got a whole cruise into bird watching it's hilarious yeah, man. like real tattooed pierced hardcore looking your cruise. fans know their bird shit right they, <laughs> they know do. their bird shit oh my god <laughs> and uh and yeah, and, and stand up paddleboarding, which is a which is a great thing I've got into the last few years. So, and like, how did, how did you? Well, I'm interested to know how hmm. you work through that. How did you get through all that? I mean, how did well, it those seven of, weeks? Yeah. Well, it was it was horrible. It was really yeah. hard. Like um, I went to get professional help because I'd kind of hit that point of um, like I didn't I, like suicidal is not the word because I didn't actually make any plans, but I just was starting to question if I still wanted to be here, mm. which is really scary. And and that's what triggered me to go and get professional help. And 
kind of acknowledging what had happened was just a really big deal. Just thinking, you know, mm. I've, I've got into a state. It's okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, and then just surrounding myself with loved ones, family, getting mm. a lot of support. And I just, I just, I've got two little kids and I just, um, went and got my son from school and every day we went for a walk together and made up a story and then came home and wrote the story down. And that was like an hour a day of just pure daddy time. Yeah. And it just helped me really reconnect with like, I definitely want to be on this planet. Sure. Like, I am not going anywhere. And, yeah. and no, you know, no voice in my head is going to take that away from me. So mm. being able to then slow down, learn, like, I love to learn, man. Mm. Creative people, I'm sure you're the same. Just yeah. knowledge is just delicious. So I just went on a binge of learning about about all this stuff, about mental health, about mm. psychology, about um, meditations. And um, and I got I, I found out a bunch in, in, the, in, the, in the therapy. I found out a, a bunch of what was causing it, what were the, the deep roots, and it kind of stemmed right back to trauma in my childhood so when I was four years old I had um, a kind of a life-threatening experience which mm. I had never really had a chance to process right and then as part of this what's been happening to me recently I kind of sat my parents down while I, I sat, sat them down over Skype and I said right guys you've got to tell me everything you remember I know it was 30 years ago yeah but I need everything you can remember and actually what I remembered from it was very different to what they remembered and that helped me understand that it's all a story, right? Everything that you have in here, mm. if it's in the past, it's a story. It's a narrative that you're saving in your brain, in the hard drive of your brain. Mm. You can't change it. You can't control it. You can kind of accept it. What you really know is what's happening right now. I'm sat here. I'm talking to Bill. Mm. You guys are watching that, that. We're in this moment right now. We can't control the future. We can't control the past. So what helped me was just to, to practice breathing and being here being yeah. where I was I'm, 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 I'm at the park with my son and then when yeah. it got you know when I started getting back to work it's like I'm in the studio I'm writing a song there's no immediate danger if I if I fail at this I'm not going to die like mm. it's okay there's no lives yeah. at, at stake here yeah so that's good it's pretty traumatic though <laughs> yeah it's getting heavy yeah but ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching, there's a question you'd like to ask either Bill or myself. All you need to do is tweet us at Bill Bailey or at SK Shlomo. Or you can comment on the live stream if you're watching on Periscope. And we're going to try and answer a few of your questions. Things have just got a little bit real right here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it got deep very quickly. Yes. Um, but also, like, it just feels quite empowering to be able to stand up and say these things. Like, yeah. you know, when you get up on stage, you, you do kind of go into that superhuman mode where you deliver your powers to the world and they get to sit back and just be amazed by you for a while yeah and they don't necessarily know that when you finish the show you take off that mask and then you're your kind of naked human self underneath there and that can feel quite vulnerable yes yes exactly and that's a that particular uh, time when you've just done a show is when you are like you know that's when you're like a hermit crab between homes you know when you're vulnerable because mm. That's when, you know, it can it can be, you know, the odd comment, the thing, somebody says something like a negative, you know, and you just, it's every, you're hypersensitive about about a show. And it's difficult to, to turn that off. It's difficult to stop that. You know, you I you try and control, I you know, you try and learn over the years to sort of control nerves and, mm. and you know, the, 
uh, anxiety, just that kind of tension before a show. I used to get really nervous before a show, mm. and I, you know, ridiculously nervous. And sometimes mm. I'd have the show that where I'd, I had twenty minutes to do material, and and I'd do the whole twenty minutes in the first three <laughs> minutes, and then. <laughs> hold on it's yeah. gone and then uh, what am I going to do now for 15 minutes oh lord and uh, and that was pretty scary that was hard that was hard and then <laughs> but then occasionally something good came out of that like where I just in that sort of white heat of of fear and and in the moment something would a spark of inspiration would come mm. and that would be the, then the trigger for some other thing and it was interesting one of my first ever solo stand-up gigs was was a pure accident I wasn't even supposed to do it um, I was in a double act at the time and the double act partner was away mm. uh, he was away on holiday and so a club promoter phoned me up and said oh we need a we need an act and I said uh, oh uh, well my partner's he's, he's on holiday oh and he okay so he hung up phoned a lot of other people and he eventually came back to me like as a last resort like I can't get anyone can you come and do it I went all right so <laughs> i went to do this gig and the first part of the gig was was just oh it was awful <laughs> awful awful i was trying to do this act between two people with just me so i was doing the, the this kind of dialogue we're trying to remember what how it went and getting it wrong and speeding up and getting nervous and oh and i was just in that there's a, there's a sort of spiral of panic which you get into and I and I just thought this is really going down badly and then somebody said oi he's oi mate tell us a joke like that which is the worst thing the worst echo because it, it's it's a an absolute truth and that if you're in that situation and somebody says oi tell us you forget every joke you've ever heard ever 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 right? and I was thinking I don't know any jokes <laughs> I literally can't think of one and so the only one I could think of was the three blokes going to a pub. I thought, well, I'll start with that. And I just said, all right. I said, I know a joke. And so everyone went quiet. I thought, oh, I've got them. Oh my God, I've, I've got to do something now. So I said, uh, three blokes going to a pub. And they went, yeah. And I thought, and I'm just stalling now. Because I don't know, there's no joke. <laughs> That's all I've got. I've just got the setup. So I went, three, I say three, um, it's four. <laughs> it's actually four. And then I went, well, I say four, probably more like seven or eight. <laughs> okay, let's round it up. Ten. There's ten blokes going to the pub, right? And then it just, and then I just thought, oh, I'll keep going. It was getting a few laughs. I thought, oh, okay, ten, fifteen, twenty. To be honest, it was a big pub. There's about 50, 60 blokes in there, and it just went on and on. I just, I just, and it ended up with like, like you know, whole towns. <laughs> You know, Belgium goes into the pub. The north, the Benelux countries, northern Europe goes into the pub. And there was the whole world goes into the pub. And it was every bloke in the world goes into the pub. And then, and then, and then just a punchline just arrived, like literally out of nowhere. I need, couldn't even see it coming. And that was, you know, the first guy goes up to the bar, he turns around and he says, I'll get these. <laughs> I said, what idiot. And he got a laugh. And that was, that was just purely out of nowhere. This was just, an improvised thing that came out of fear and panic and and the desire just not to you know to sort of be stuck in this situation mm. but what it was was an enormous kind of epiphany as it turned out in later you know as I look back on it because what it was was I was clinging on to a kind of a set routine 
mm. that I've been doing for years. And actually, what I needed to do was just throw that out mm. and like dive in in a kind of and take a risk, plunge in. You know, just trust yourself, trust your instincts. Think, well, okay, I, you know. I hope I could be funny. If I think up something, maybe something will happen. That's so inspiring to hear because that's kind of like exactly where I've been. I've been like wanting to do what you just said. What did you say? You just just throw it all off. Throw all the stuff that you've yeah. stuck in. Just it's a bit of just baggage. Dive in. Throw off the baggage and dive into the authentic version and just trust that. Yeah, what you want to do, what you really actually want to do in your heart you think this is what I want to do this is mm. the kind of comedy or this is the kind of music this mm. is the sort of poetry plays writing filmmaking dance whatever it is whatever outlet of creativity you have mm. that's what I really want to do and often you take a you know you take a risk you take a bet you bet on yourself your own mm. uh you know whatever creativity your skill your own mm. what you've learned mm. instinct mm. and that somehow that will carry you through yeah, so I feel like that's a, a theme that's coming through, like having spoken at length with Jason Raz last week and now talking to you, like authenticity, right? It's such a big part of being creative. Mm. Have you ever had this feeling, I don't know if you share this or if you feel comfortable talking about it, but um, feeling like identity can be a tripping point, right? So in our day-to-day lives, we do wear masks. We can't just show all of ourselves all the time. It's not appropriate. It's not healthy to do that. No. Um, and then when you go on stage, you do. You you're a persona. You're like for me. I had a lot. I had a lot of issues around persona because of my name. So I've been known as Shlomo for a long time, which is my middle name. So my, it, is, it is me. Um, uh, but my first name's Simon. So I went through school being called Simon, and then when I started being a performer, everybody called me Shlo. No one called me Simon. Like. No. And then I started feeling like maybe I'd created this persona who isn't real, who everyone thinks is amazing and is marvelous and gets mm. on stage and bl- blows everyone's mind, but it's all fake. And the real me here, the real Simon here, is mm. this small and scared and frightened and ashamed person who, if they really got to see the authentic me, they'd be disgusted by, right? <laughs> and it's a horrible feeling, like mm. kind of just feeling like you aren't you or this thing you've made isn't real like and then it took me a lot of work to just recognize no that is still me up there like I am yeah with my mask on it's still me I don't know if this resonates with you like feeling like you can feel a full identity with your performer persona and your normal human being who takes mm. out the rubbish you know what I mean who stays grounded kind of yeah part of your that's identity. right it, you, you have to do that you have to have a kind of uh, you have to stay that and it and it's very important that and there's been moments where I've felt exactly that and actually the the sort of day to day domestic routine is is a tremendous comfort you know Mm. it's it's a ritual and Mm. it's comforting and it's grounding and all those things you know and it stops you kind of maybe sometimes believing your own hype and getting Mm. above yourself you know like Mm. I you know I remember doing this I did this gig it was one of the biggest gigs I've ever done and it was really daunting and nerve-wracking and all those things and I sort of kind of got to enjoy it even though it was so it was a big stressful, a big stressful thing mm. and afterwards I came, I came back from the gig I had a big party after the gig and I came home and the next day 
I was just taking the dog out and you know just sorting out the kitchen feel rude do the do the bin and sort that yeah. out and then and it's brilliant you just that's what you need I think you need that you need to sort of have that constantly in your life I think mm. you need to have a bit of reality mm. <laughs> otherwise mm. you do it's just, it, it can be quite an unreal situation quite surreal in some ways mm. um and uh, I sometimes felt that the, there's a pressure on you to be to be a certain way. Like people meet you out and about, and they just think that you're going to be this. What you're going to be? You know? Oh, you just. I remember once, just out here, outside in the street, I was walking around. I went up to the shops, <laughs> and these two kids walked past. And one kid, he, he sort of looked at me, and he, they went past, and then they stopped, and he went, "Oi!" And he goes, "He goes, you're that you're that bloke, aren't you?" I went, "Yeah." You know, like, yeah, I sort of know what you mean. You're that bloke, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. And he goes off the TV, yeah? And I said, yeah. And he said, what are you doing walking around like normal? <laughs> you know, like, what was I supposed to be doing? Like, hovering, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, flying. Yeah, yogic flying or something. I don't know. Or like, with an entourage or something. You know, yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, are you yeah. doing? How can you be just walking around? And then he was really baffled by it. And I thought, God, yeah, there's people's perceptions of what, what, you know, fame or people in the public eye is, is such, mm. it's so strange. It's so out of whack sometimes with how we are. Um, and, uh, and other times when I've been, I mean, this, here's the thing, right? Where I, where I feel, this is, I feel vulnerable sometimes. And it's, it's, it's way out of proportion. But I did a, it was an interview in the, in the paper, in a paper, mm. newspaper. Mm. And you know what happens when, I mean, I should never do this, mm. but I always do. I'm obsessive about reading everything mm. that's written read about press. I just mm. read it. I just think either you read nothing or you read everything, and yeah. I read everything. Mm. Every word, every negative, every positive. Yeah. yeah, I think that, in a way, that gives you a sort of rounded look at, you know... You know. Anyway, and it was like some interview or review or something. And then there's this sort of below-the-line comment. And there was this comment... And it was a nice interview. It was like people going, "Yeah, you know, saw the show. It was great." And then somebody said, "Yeah, I saw him in the out in the park, and he was really weird and miserable." And you know, I was thinking, what? and then honestly, I became obsessed over this comment. Mm. And that's mm. that's that's just not healthy. But I was. I was yeah. thinking, well, what 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 do you mean? Well, I was miserable, morose. Yeah. And, and he goes when was that and I was like looking at the data and he goes he had a dog with him I said a dog and I went, what sort of dog with it oh perhaps it was and I was and I traced it back mm. and I actually did my own bit of detective work on this comment <laughs> yeah. and discuss, and I realised that when I would have been there with one dog and it was this certain, certain sort of dog mm. it was when my mum was really ill mm. and like that's and I thought oh right and like finding these things and I just thought but I had to know that you know what mm. I mean that was like I couldn't let it lie it was like what mm. do you mean why miserable and morose well I'm not like that yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, you know I'm not some, I'm not like kind of you know up the whole time but yeah. I'm not I'm reasonably level most of the time mm. and that's the thing that's a sort of that's a sort of a, a, a I don't know it's not, I, I don't think madness is the right word it's just it's a disproportionate obsession mm. with people's perception of you and I think mm. that as a creative person sometimes you you're sucked into that vortex mm. and you have to kind of back out of it sometimes but that's it yeah. like I feel like his reaction to kind of complaining that 
you know, this was everyone was talking about your show, and then he's complaining about the fact that you were expressing human emotions in public, and it's like, yeah, is Bill Bailey not allowed to be a human being because he's gotten up on stage and he's he's yeah. made a show? He's <laughs> not, he's, I know, is, is his mum not allowed to be poorly? Is he not allowed to have any emotions? I know it's mad, but that's you know. I feel like that is a really a big cause of, of 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 problems in our culture is that it's like it's like not okay to not be okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you if someone yeah. if you see someone in the park and they and they're looking grumpy, like you you we're not conditioned to think, well something must have happened to them or there must be some yeah. reason. We're conditioned to be like Well why aren't they This happy? is bad, I don't like this. Yeah. What what's wrong with him? He's yeah. like, well he's a comedian. Why is he not laughing and telling jokes? And then exactly and then and then so what I interpret that as is that guy he was cross with you because it made him feel bad yeah. do you know what I mean and apparently it's your job to, to make well, him happy this is all manner of things That's the, these are the kind of thoughts that start percolating and then you have to just sometimes just know, let it go just go for a walk yeah put some James Brown on <laughs> that is the best antidote yeah James Brown there you have it well James Brown and Ladies and gentlemen, if you are still watching us <laughs> on the Twitter, um, you're watching, yes. we are listening. I don't know, do we have any interactions at all, producer Michelle? No, we don't. <laughs> well, it's still been brilliant just to have a chance to talk to Mr. Bill Bailey here and hear about his, his experience through creativity and kind of coping with those moments when your brain seems like it's against you. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm really honoured that you would take the time no, to talk cool. to me and That's talk to both of our audiences great. about this I'm also very honoured that you would pledge to my album like, yeah. like I sent you a message saying can you come and talk about this on the, on the live stream and then the next thing I got was an email saying you have a new pledger uh, and I was like wow he's, he's done that so thank you that's really kind of hey, you no I mean uh, it was it's great it's a, it's, I, I'm really intrigued to hear the rest of it well so, thanks yeah. man yeah if anyone else is interested in hearing the rest of it, I've been making this album and I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, it's called Surrender mm. and you can um, help me make it happen. Like I'm asking my audience to pledge in a crowdfunding campaign. So I have this dream, but it's kind of in your hands as to whether or not it happens. Um, so if you'd like to help me with that, you just go to skshlomo.com slash pledge and you can help me make it happen. Um, and you can join the likes of Bill Bailey and kind of be part of this community that we're building. And we're going to be here every week uh, through the campaign. So that runs till September every week I'm going to be doing a live stream and I'm going to be announcing next week's guest shortly which is super exciting but before I did that I just wanted to ask Bill um, if there's anything else you wanted to talk about like it doesn't have to be about your deepest darkest feelings like what are you working on what no. do you want to tell us about like uh, what's going on I think well I'm just about to I've, as I say this tour has come to a, uh, this leg of the tour has come to an mm. end so I've now got a bit of a break mm. and then uh, the tour kind of cranks up again I'm off to Australia New Zealand and then um, down under for a bit and then back home uh, Christmas mm. and then some you know the tour carries on next year and mm. a lot of the dates that a lot of places I couldn't play on this tour I'm going to pick them up next year mm. um, but uh, no it's been it's been great great fun and good great to chat to you man yeah man. Good to see you I haven't seen you in a long time it's been too long so uh, you know we'll have to um, catch up yeah but yeah no that's good I, I, I think this is a great thing you're doing I think it's a great project I Thank think you. that mental health is something a subject that isn't talked about enough mm. I think it needs to be talked about more more um, you know often 
and I think that there shouldn't be the stigma that is around it that mm. I think still hangs around it even now mm. and uh, I think that people feel perhaps embarrassed about it or they don't want to talk about it mm. or I don't know it's it, people don't know enough about it mm. but the, it's a global epidemic it's a mm. crisis mm. You know? I, I was reading today it's like the the most the biggest cause of for want of a better word disability in mm. the world you know it's the most number of people that suffer from it Every, it's everywhere mm. and all walks of life all countries it doesn't seem to be respect you know mm. like wealthy countries poor countries people from the west the east whatever it's mm. it's a it's a part of the human condition in a way and uh, yeah. and I guess it, part of the reason we're talking about it more which is good, is that it's recognised more. We now know a little bit more about it. We mm. know um, more people are coming forward, mm. and so you know, rather than you know, I, I think that sometimes people say, "Oh well, we're only depressed now." People are only talking about depression now. We, well, in the past, no, everyone was fine. No, I don't think that's true. I just mm. don't think people knew what they had names for it. They didn't know mm. what it was, um, and nobody talked about it even less. It was more of a stigma and a taboo. So. Mm-hmm. More, the more you know, people like yourself uh, talk about it and get people talking about it and mm. starting the conversation. I think it's a great thing. So, you know, very much respect to you. Same and, to you, uh, man, yeah. and 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 same to all these people watching. Like, I feel like we collectively can help each other by supporting each other and talking and sharing and kind of. That's what I learned from this last few weeks. As soon as I opened up about my invulnerabilities, just the number of messages I've got from people who I don't know but also a lot of people who I do know and have felt like I knew quite well and suddenly they're giving me this side to them that I'd never seen before um, by showing their vulnerability we have a question we have a question let's take a question before we finish this uh, that would be lovely yeah. this one is from at Trace Italian and they say um, there's a question for Bill mm. can Bill speak to how nature and specifically the British countryside can become an escape for the troubled mind yeah sure uh, I mean I totally agree with exactly that statement I you know uh, in the last few years um, I've really sort of craved being outdoors more and more and when I was a kid when I was I grew up in the west country the west of England it's quite a rural part of the world and so we used to go out quite a lot we used to as a family occasion we would go to sort of wildlife sanctuaries and so on and we had like you know countryside around so it was always there in my childhood and it sort of gave me a love of it a lifelong love of it and you know I carried on through my whole adult life and but it, it is a sort of a balm it's kind of like almost a place of great comfort you know I'd seek it out I'd go on I'd like to go on long walks you know I like to really sort of it has to be almost like a physical thing you know um, as I say you're getting on the rivers paddling going to places where you can watch birds these are sort of things which are very they're, they're tranquil they sort of you know I, I find that you know certainly the, what we do what, and the world generally is a, is quite a is become more uh, it's sort of this chaotic it's more there's more noise, perhaps, than there ever was. Um, both just physical noise, but online pressure. We sort of live at a different pace. And I think that actually the countryside just forces you to slow down. It actually mm. makes you stop and think and, you know, feel the ground under your feet and feel 
grass and you know bark on trees and see birds and sky and clouds and things that have been around for millions of years and will be continued for, for mm. millions of years so you're sort of it centers you a little bit you feels you i always feel it connects you with the past and shows you a, a what the future might be and it's not then quite so threatening you know it's uh it centers you and it um you know i i, I, I sometimes look you know you look back at my your feed whether your facebook or twitter feed or whatever and most of my photographs are of just the outdoors you know sort of like <laughs> beautiful clouds or a river or a bird mm. or something just because i think that you know it's i'm a great advocate for it. i think it's one of the it's it, it's right there it's easily got to it's accessible and it's mm. one of the greatest resources for um for sort of for calming a troubled mind as you as you said mm. that's beautiful thank you so much for sharing that question um so guys if you are inspired by anything that we've been talking about tonight if any of it resonates with you i feel like we could do something together collectively like right now while we're all watching this stream like maybe there's something we could do i don't know that will bring the world together and make us all feel more connected and, and that's like we're kind of having to do this by ourselves mm. like I don't know I was going to ask you if you had any ideas of how, what we could do like right now like for example we could all um, send a message of love to someone we care about or we could all um, mm. I don't know what could we do right now together collectively last week I asked Jason this and, and he wanted us to all take a deep breath together and kind of get into a moment together which was which felt really beautiful but like yeah. I don't know what, what do you think we could do we could all just, uh, I like the idea of a deep breath, mm. or we could just all just like, you know, I don't know, just uh, laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> well, that's it, man. That's what they say, laughter is the best medicine I know. That's yeah. like some cliche it thing is. to say. But... It is our best medicine, apart from me, because I'm asthmatic. So it really isn't, <laughs> like, it really is not. <laughs> it's inhalers all the way and then laughter so should we do it should we do a great big collective laugh yeah or just a oh like that's what I want to do a big, like a, big a big tribal a tribal Icelandic you know oh okay should we let's do try it? that okay let's count me down three two one oh that felt good I like that felt good it's good I mean I'm imagining all the thousands of people doing that too <laughs> hopefully you did um, guys thank you if you feel like that this is something that you want to learn more about um, you can use a hashtag we are listening this is going to be out every week from now on well until the end of my pledge campaign which ends in September yeah. um, you can like this you can comment this you can share this the video is going to stay up to be uh, to be watched whenever you like also we are going to be releasing this video as a as a full video very soon and we're hoping to make this into a podcast lots of people have got in touch after last week asking could we make the Jason Mraz one into a podcast and it feels like you know this is good content that you can listen to whilst your your body's busy but your mind isn't so that's the goal um, so please stay in touch with us you can stay in touch with this project on skshlamo.com slash we are listening uh, and if you would like to help me make my album I would really appreciate it I've been telling my story through music it's kind of different it's dark it's exciting uh, and it's very intense electronic music if you were interested in that then you need to go skshlamo.com slash pledge I've got some really exciting news to share with you which is about next week's stream uh, on Wednesday the 11th of July 
I think we've got a slide to announce it, which are you showing it right now? Yes, you are. Uh, Mr. Reeps One will be joining us. If you are from my world or Bill's world, I don't know, but if you know about beatboxing, you know about Reeps One. He's more than just a beatboxer, though. He is an international artist in residence at some of the most prestigious establishments in the world. He's kind of moved into the world of, of professional expression. He's taken it into a whole new world, so I'm really excited to get him on the sofa next Wednesday at 9pm we're going to be getting deep uh, if you want to follow that then uh, we'll be posting a link, link up in the week so one more time all I've got to say now really is a massive thank you to you guys for watching and to Mr Bill Bailey here can I get a little round of applause and a little internal whoo for everybody yes. thank you again okay, thank you very Bailey. much Ooh. hashtag we are listening hey. peace and love and we'll see you again very very soon thank you and goodbye let's kill this Bill thank you bro hey. really appreciate it man. Yeah. Yeah. good to see you yeah, it's fun cool. I'm